Well, hello there. Graham Norton here on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose for another podcast. Let's get going. Eleanor Tomlinson is chatting about her new Channel 4 thriller, The Couple Next Door. Matthew Bainton tells us about taking to the screens in Wonka and what's in store for the BBC Ghost Christmas special. Show chef Martha has some Waitrose Christmas cookies to warm your heart. Delicious. And Maria McCurlin is clutching her letters, ready to solve two of your dilemmas in Graham's Guide. Well, hello, Maria. How are you, sick lady? Hey, hey, I'm good. I'm good. I've got lungs. My lungs are working again. Hurrah. Oh, Um, marvellous. Deep breaths all round. Still a bit coffee. Um, I keep bumping into people who have bought tickets to see you at the Fortune Theatre. To see you and me, you and I, for it is us. Um, yeah. Yes, at Fortune Theatre up the 10th. I think there's still tickets left. But, Graham, I'm in awe. I want to have lessons with Tom Hanks. I watched your show last night. Um, oh, my goodness. If that... You know I hate blowing smoke up your fundament, but here you are. If you need to put a show in for an awards thing, the Palm Rose or whatever it is, that <laughs> is the show to submit because... Three Oscar winners, well, soon to be four, I'm sure, with Timothy yeah. Chalamet. What an amazing boy he is. Um, it was just, it was a masterclass, I have to say. And I could listen. I could have listened to that for another two hours. Julia Roberts, Tom Hanks, Cher and Timothy Chalamet. I mean, no wonder you didn't do the red chair. How do you follow those four? I know. I must say, because I'd never had Julie Roberts on before, so I was thinking, oh, is she going to be nice? But actually, she was uh, so lovely and naturally funny. And you kind of think, oh, that's why you're a star, because actually you have charisma in the bucket load. She's yeah, just amazing. she was funny. Her and Tom Hanks together, I just thought, wow, what a pairing. And Cher just sitting there like the queen of all she surveys. <laughs> amazing. Um, just interjecting with the occasional one-liner. I mean, she is the campest person ever. And for her to mention that silly show that we did a million years ago, Carnal Knowledge. I know. Um, always it's funny that she laugh was watching so much. That. Twice she, she's mentioned it. Now. Yes, she loves it. She mentions it every time I see her. She mentions it. Um, now, talking of uh, Telly Gold, will you oh, be yeah. watching the uh, Strictly semi-final tonight? Of course I will, and I'm so desperate without our lovely Angela Scanlon. Well, guess what? I've got a surprise. On the line What's now. Our, no! brave dance, our brave dancing soldier, Angela Scanlon. Hello. Hooray! Hello. Morning. Oh, Angela, you were terrific, and I mourn your loss for this evening. You were fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. I had the time of my life. Um, are your feet, I mean, are you kind of, are you recovered yet, or are you still just lying there going, ow? I mean, I still make noises when I move. <laughs> um, so, but I've kind of gotten used to that. But I think, yeah, there's a like a bit of a come down where you're like, oh, yeah, no, I can really acknowledge that sore foot now or like the pain in my glutes. Uh, yeah, but no, I'm, yeah, I, I feel, I feel pretty fit. I and mean, you've a- been running on adrenaline for so long, Angela. Yeah. But, you know, each week you've got to get back up on Monday and learn a new dance. And yeah. so the the adrenaline leaving your body. I mean, I saw you have a little weep on It Takes Two and I thought oh. it must just be so sad. <laughs> I know, but also, I mean, I think most people kind of hold it together and do the party line of I had a great time. It was our time to leave. Everything's fabulous. And I was just devastated. I don't know whether I, I um, kept it together for 
for quite a while. And then, I mean, I've never cried on telly before. So it's quite a Well, you kept to it system. together on the, on the results show. Yeah. And Carlos didn't. Oh, but then it was yes. on Strictly Takes Two. So 24 hours later, then you probably yes. feel a bit... Well, it kind of starts to settle, you know. But honestly, now that the actual dust has settled, we're a week later. Um, I feel, uh, yeah, I, it, it was such an amazing experience. I mean, it's it's on so levels, um, so uncomfortable, you know. And I just think maybe <laughs> that's what life is is about. You know? And will you be but going back? But will you be going back for the final? I'll be going back for the final. Yeah, I'll be drinking heavily and heckling <laughs> from the back row. No, I'm joking. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'll be back. I'll and be two, back to the two, thi- two things, Angela. One, what's it like walking around, having been on the biggest show in British television? And uh, two, what's it like standing there, kind of looking Craig Revel Horwood in the eye? Is that as scary <laughs> as you think it's going to be, or is it like Panto? It's pure panto, isn't it? I mean, which is all fun and games until you're on the other end of it. But um, no, Craig is actually really lovely. Um, And yes, since like emerging, it's wild. I mean, people feel like they know you in a way uh, that they haven't done before. Because I guess you're, you know, very vulnerable learning every week. And also there's cameras in the goddamn rooms all the time. Yeah. So yeah. you also, know, they've seen training. those gorgeous legs pumping up and down with the most they... fabulous dances. Which was your favourite? Oh, I I mean, the Charleston I absolutely loved. Week three. Um, and then pa- our Paso on Halloween week to Black Swan was... Oh, the, I cool. loved that. That was so yeah, dramatic. I really liked that. Yeah. Yeah, and the Argentine was... tango, the Argentine tango. Now, here's my thing. Here's my thing, Go Angela. On. Uh, you're out, you're not in the competition anymore. You can tell us now. When I saw you doing that Argentine tango and I saw your legs flicking around, I thought, that woman's done Irish dancing. She's trained as an Irish dancer. <laughs> I did Irish dancing, yeah. Yay, but I like, knew it. I, I knew oh, it. No, everyone knows this. It's fine. It's, a, it's the worst kept secret. Um, but I... Uh, it's funny because, I mean, you'll know, having famously Irish danced in a caravan, that it's a very different <laughs> skill, you know. And it is very also, different. the Argentine tango was so, you know, steamy. I mean, the choreographers just kept saying, we need to believe that you're about to kiss at any moment. I was like, OK, I mean, it might be a stretch, but we'll give it a lash. <laughs> and um, so actually that kind of level of intensity and intimacy and kind of, um, yeah, you know, it's not it's not very Irish, is it? And no. so, um, yeah, whatever I whatever upside or or um, advantage I had from the the flicky flicks, I definitely had to manage the downside too. But the Angela was one of can my. Can I just say you're not actually life. hanging up your dancing shoes, though, are you? Because you can't now just sit and eat mince pies forever. You're going on oh, tour, aren't you? I am going on tour, and I want my hat. Kind of hadn't planned to, truthfully. And then I, um, I, I actually just loved it. I really did. I was so kind of not surprised, but I just don't. You know, you kind of never know how how these things will go. Um, and I've spoken to lots of people who've done the show before. Some of whom had like a come down. Some of whom had wild relief, and were absolutely delighted to wake up on a Sunday morning and have a fry up, read the papers, and chuck their shoes in the bin. Yeah. And <laughs> I, but I actually think the tour is going to be a really 
glorious kind of a gift at the end of it where there's no pressure week on week. You do your two favourite dances. I imagine we'll do Charleston and Argentine tango, which is kind of, you know, two opposite ends of the spectrum. Two arenas. Um, yeah, Amazing. mad. Like, when would you ever get the chance? Do they and still before judge that, you? Do before... the judges judge you? Oh, they do. do I, I believe they do, yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, Angela, just say you will be sitting in before that happens. You'll be sitting in for us on the 23rd of December. You're hosting oh, to the nation. Will. Yes, I'm looking well, Look, enjoy to that. Thanks for doing it. And thanks for keeping us entertained so, for the so last much. few months. It's been sensational. You're very welcome. Uh, Merry Thank Christmas. So Take Merry care. Merry Christmas, Angela. Lots Bye. of love. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Virgin Radio. Okay, here's the first problem of today, apart from the fact that it's minus 10. Dear Graham and Maria, my friend of nearly 30 years seems to be having a midlife crisis. He has never had a meaningful relationship and has had severe body image issues. He has taken up photography, glamour photography. Before, he would take fantastic photos of castles and lighthouses. Now, he rents strippers, buys skimpy outfits for them to wear, or not, and posts cringy photos on his social media. He has lost his job his friends and his dignity. It looks like these models and studio owners are taking advantage of him, a bored little man with cash and camera. Should I tell him what an idiot he is or leave him to it and enjoy the company of these women who are paid to spend time with him? What shall I do? And that is from Libby in Berkshire. Well, Libby in Berkshire, I mean, look, I worry for your friend because if he's lost his job, how is he paying these um, people for to be wearing skimpy outfits or not? You see, the problem is he's a grown man. I mean, tis a tale as old as time. And whilst we're sort of prurient about the stripper pics, I mean, I don't think we should judge him because he's not causing any harm to anyone. Uh, this is a hobby of his. He enjoys it. yes. It could be it could be castles and lighthouses, but I'm sure he gets more media likes on his strippers. So I think what you could do, Libby in Berkshire, Berkshire, especially if the money is going to run out at some point with no job. Did he lose his job because of his hobby? I don't know. You don't say. Um, is to sort of do think do. I don't want to say normal things with him, but do other things with him, which involve more people, perhaps fully clothed, and social activities. The body I image issues have to be dealt with. There are so many people like this, though, that feel life isn't for them, feel society has somehow rejected them. So I don't want to judge him at all. But, you know, introduce him to people, get him out of the single-mindedness that he seems to be in at the moment. Um, you know, be a friend to him, Libby, in Berkshire, and don't judge his hobby, but try and include other things, family life, different friends, things that don't necessarily revolve around sex. Um, I'm a bit of a loss, really, Graham. Well, I think the trouble is he now feels the world is a him, you know, because yeah. but no one understands me. I'm doing this. So you're so all the fact that friends don't want to deal with this kind of slightly sleazy world da, 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 means they're kind of driving your friend further and further into that world where he'll be spending time with these models. They're let's call them agents and, uh, and other photographers and things. So. It's difficult, isn't it? Because you don't want to... I feel like if you say, yes, he's being an idiot and da-da-da, but 
if you start doing that, you're just another person who doesn't get it. You're just another person who's driving him further into this world. So I think the way forward is to just ask him, what is his plan? What what does he see the future looking like? Because as you say, with no job, uh, these models are going to run out pretty fast. So, you know, he needs to come up with, you know, either this is going to become a lucrative thing. It doesn't seem to have so far. Um, but I, I just think make him confront the reality of what's happening. Because right now he's living some sort of weird dream and he must mm. be enjoying it. But it is, you know, even though it's real, the women are in the room and he's taking their pictures. It is a fantasy because it's not sustainable. It's going mm. to come to a grinding halt very soon. And the sooner well, we understand that... that's why when I was that, saying about don't judge him, you know, yeah. like that is his hobby. So if we remove the judgment from it, but just try and include the rest of the life, because rest of life, because I think what happens in this situation, he's down a rabbit hole, yeah. uh, so blinkered, and that is all that's going on. And he thinks that those girls are nice to him and or the rest, whatever, you know, happens. But you're right, Graham. the minute the money goes, they will be gone. This is just, an, to them, it's just another punter, you know, who who's running out of cash and they don't care about that because they've got kids to feed or whatever. So um, just to sort of try and make life a bit bigger for him um, with, with other activities, even if it's just going out for a meal or going to see a movie or whatever, just make life bigger. That's not all yeah. he does, stay in his little lonely garret with these pictures. And it's, you know, it does sound sad, but we must not judge because... And also, I think, what's, I think what, you know what breaks my heart is that I think Libby and the other friends, I don't think they understood how unhappy he was. I don't yeah. think they understood... Uh, the fact that he 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 didn't have this sort of contact with women, and he felt you know there's a kind of self-loathing involved in this, where mm. he feels he's got to pay Absolutely. people to do this, and and I think that's really sad that it, it's got to this stage that he's having to do this. Yeah, um, I mean, get some in, uh, sports involved, maybe. I know I sound like Pollyanna, but take him to pickleball or something so that <laughs> he's got he's got body images, image problems, and so you know these just get fed all the time. Pardon the pun, but they. Then if you're doing some exercise, you feel better about yourself. And it's it's not a, an easy road back, let's be honest. But there no. are ways to do it. The responses are part one. And my favourite responders today will be getting a bottle of Bird in Hand Sparkling South Australian Wine. Uh, lovely. I think the person who wrote the description had a couple of glasses. <laughs> Unrestrained, eternally curious. It's a wine, right? And deeply passionate. Bubbles make everything better. Infinitely exciting, light as air, yet somehow relaxing. A wash in strawberry flavours and citrus blossom aromas. This blush-coloured sparkling is here to remind you of the endless pleasures of optimism. Wow. I'll remember that next time I'm drunk. No, I'm not drunk. <laughs> I'm just enjoying the endless pleasures of optimism. That's what I'm doing. Andrea in York says, Graham and Maria, why doesn't she encourage him to put his glamour photography under a separate social media profile and pseudonym as it's going to stop him getting photography at work in other areas, family portraits, weddings, etc. Then if, when it's over, he can delete the account and no one else is any the wiser. That is a good idea, Andrea in York. Uh, Chris in Devon, there seems to be a lot of judgment around what he and the models are doing. Just because of 
might offend the sensibilities of the more prudish amongst us. Sex work is real work and he should be and should be treated as such. I know there are a lot of other issues going on here, but seriously, try to understand that you're making your own problem because your branding as hobby is sleazy. If you value your friend, then try to find value in what he's doing. And you're right, Chris, but I think the worry is that he's been taken advantage of. Uh, he's sort of been played for a fool. Uh, Cleo and Rochford says, Libby, are you sure he's unhappy? Everyone is assuming he's in a bad place, but he could be getting lots of money for his boudoir photos. I like the word boudoir. Well done. You can't change people. So you have a choice. Either be there for him and be supportive or jump ship like everyone else. All right. Uh, Steve Manchester says, just advise him not to post these photos in the socials and realize this will all fizzle out once his money runs dry. And Alan Uneaton, uh, potentially, the guy could be trying to hone his photography skills to earn money as he's out of work. There is more money in glamour photography than in landscape photography. Maybe they should ask what he is trying to achieve. Interesting. Uh, I believe leave the bottle of Bird in Hand's sparkling South Australian wine should go to Andrea in York for her practical advice. Graham's Guide. Dear Graham and Maria, I recently married a lovely man and we now live with my two teenage daughters full time and his two teenage daughters every other week. The kids get on really well, but the one issue that comes up is that their mum and her new husband buy them extravagant gifts at Christmas and birthdays. I have always preferred to do small but meaningful Christmas gifts, but I know my husband will feel bad if we don't get his daughters something big. My daughters have both asked for small things. Do I go against my principles and do something showy for all four of them to keep the peace or try to stand my ground against crazed materialism? Please be my Christmas miracle. And that is from Sam in London. Oh, Sam in London, I think you will have struck a chord for a lot of blended families here because it's so hard. I mean, look, your husband clearly has a lot of guilt with his daughters. Any parent, I think, you know, from a broken family, from a family that's split up or is splitting up, feels tremendous guilt about his daughters. But it's really... It sounds like such a cliche because it is. It's not the stuff that you have that he buys them, but the memories that you have that they will, the, you know, rather than, this is my solution to this. I know it's still going to be spendy, Sam, in London, but rather than buying things, you know, the latest pair of trainers or handbag or ear pods, whatever, why don't you, as a family, all four of you, your daughters, go and see a show, you know, in London or something, where are you from, London, you're London, in London, um, go and see a show, and yes, of course, they're spendy, but this is an experience, this is something that can't be, it's not a material thing to have and to hold, you just have it in your head, go and see Cabaret, or go and see one of the shows, go and see Sunset Boulevard, Graham was wanging on about that, mm, so those memories will stay with all four of you, and it's something that you will doing together I mean you know it's when you buy a thing and somebody takes the wrapping off and they go oh yeah the latest beats by Dre headphones or something <laughs> that's probably about 10 years out of date yeah um, gran <laughs> yeah gran it's just the thing but to do something together is making a memory and is experiencing something all four of you together. This is not really what you wanted to be answered, but I would say stand your ground against the crazed materialism. We all really want to. And um, pressure to spend is madness. Graham. 
Well, it's difficult, isn't it, Sam? Because you don't want to differentiate between your kids. You don't want, you know, your daughters to be opening, you know, a cushion cover and the other two. <laughs> 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 kind of Who thing. gives presents of cushion covers anymore? <laughs> Knitted or crocheted? No, no great. You call me granny. It was going to be a tapestry kit. <laughs> they were going to make it themselves. Oh, no! <laughs> uh, so you don't do that. Don't do that, Sam. That's my advice. Now, here's the thing. I think Maria's on to something with the show, but what I would do is I would say uh, you and your husband, uh, you stay at home, and I would get the four girls... Uh, tickets to some big hot concert that's happening next year in in uh, where you're in London. So yeah, some big hot concert is happening in London, and let the four girls go together and have a kind of their first, you know, have a grown up experience. And you can chaperone them. You could take them to the venue, and you could be there and meet them outside. But let them just go and have fun, the four of them together. And I think that would be a kind of a lovely thing because it's you know you are then as Maria says blending the family, giving them memories, and you know it will cost quite a bit to do that. But I think worth it, much better than, as Marie says, much better than buying some sort of designer thing or whatever the hell they're getting. Um, yeah, so I think, I think Marie's onto something. So with like the, a the Taylor Swift concert. But then the, you know, husband, father of, you know, all four of them, really, but his own. Six, six of them, six of them. Six of them, yes. He's not father to all of them, but, you know. Anyway, he would, he probably would like to see the, you know, it's nice to do something with parents especially from blended families but yes a taylor swift concert would be good and also i do want to say you can get cheap tickets if you buy a head and if you buy a matinee or something they're not as spendy as they could be and you still get a fabulous show because people are going to say have you seen the prices of london shows yes they are expensive but there are ways around it but also i Um, think money isn't the issue I think actually, you know, Sam and her husband have a bit of dosh. So I think it's just the it's principle is Sam's point rather than uh, budget. So, I, you know, and I think you're right. Your principle is absolutely right, Sam. But it's silly to spend money on lots of, lots of money on presents. But uh, equally, I do think, you, you know, you've got to kind of protect your husband in a way in this because there's always going to be a tension with his ex-wife and her new husband and all of that. So, yeah, I, I, I think you do need Isn't to... Isn't it awful of, that people do that where they, you know, the new husband and wife, they've got to then win the competition of the birthday present or the Christmas present or the fabulous time. It's sort of, you feel, will that ever end, Graham? <laughs> will it ever stop when people just keep competing? Here's the answer. No, no, it will mm. not. Wait till these girls are getting married. Yeah, good luck. Right, right to us then, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Now, responses part two. And again, my favourite responder will be getting that bottle of bird in hand, sparkling South Australian wine. Here to remind you of the endless pleasures of optimism. Okay. Uh, James in Enfield says, Not that I have any experience whatsoever in bringing up children. Don't let that stop you. Look at me, Maria. Uh, My advice to Sam in London is to let her husband make the decision about what to buy his children for Christmas. They're his kids after all, and he doesn't see as much of them as he does yours. You don't want to become the evil stepmother either. You might have an issue managing your own children's experiences as expectations. As a result, though, happy Christmas. Uh, The Lees in Suffolk say... I agree that a memory will be great for all the kids to have at Christmas. I treasure the moments I spent with my dad at the weekends he had me to stay, and that involved a coffee and cake and shopping with him. None of the many expensive presents both parents gave me compensated for the fact they were no longer together. 
Uh, Annie in Kent says, Sam, don't get into the competition with stepgirl's mom and new partner. It also sets the kids up against each other. Let the ex do it her way, e.g. flashy, and you do memories and connect gifts with meaning. Some people are so poor, all they have is money. Oh, Annie in Kent, wise word. That, that's on a tea towel, isn't it? Very good. Uh, Shirley from Glasgow. <laughs> No, no, no to Sunset Boulevard. That's terrible advice. I took my 29-year-old daughter to this show for a massive treat when I visited her in London this week. Bleak, dark, and utterly depressing. Very clever, yes, I give you that, but a dreadful suggestion, uh, Maria, uh, to bring a family together at Christmas. The guy sitting beside us sobbed loudly throughout the show, which didn't help. Oh, surely from Glasgow, I honestly couldn't imagine anyone not loving that show. But it just goes to show, big world, different folks. Was the guy sitting beside you me? I... By any chance, because uh, I did uh, solve throughout. Uh, but maybe you're right. Maybe not for bringing a family together. Uh, thanks for all that advice. The Bird in Hand Sparkling South Australian Wine is going to Annie in Kent. That's who that's going to. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. The couple next door is Channel 4's brand new dark drama. All episodes available on all four. New episodes drop on Channel 4, Mondays and Tuesdays at 9. And it stars my guest, Eleanor Tomlinson. I haven't got to the end yet. Is it totally, is it like a closed shop? Or is there a kind of a, a, a bit of a French window at the end where there could be a season two? I like that French window. Yes, I'm going to go with that one. I think there's a, a little French window at the end. Um, okay. Yeah. Kind of left open. Obviously, we know that it's all going to get turned on its head. So, yeah, I'm I'm very excited for people to see to see the end and and yeah, let me know what you think. Yeah. Okay, they might knock through. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, we should also mention uh, the outlaw or uh, the outlaws because that's coming back, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's a third season. Um, oh my goodness, that is such a hoot to make that show. We just love it, and yeah, this season is as bonkers as ever. Um, there's a really great kind of journey for mine and Stephen's character. So, yeah, it just becomes even more weird and wonderful. And because no, Lady Gabby is, I, I don't know, but I imagine as an actor, that is a real gift of a part. Absolutely. So much fun. And is Christopher Walken still in it? Yes. Yes, he is. Um, <laughs> I think, well, I mean... Yeah, that's I'm not so gonna... random. It is so yeah. random. That it is Walken's so random, in. isn't it? I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Working with him was just totally extraordinary. And you'd be sitting around having a cup of coffee and suddenly he does a Marlon Brando impression that sounds completely like Christopher Walken. But you just sort of sit there and think, this is surreal. But yeah, it was it was amazing. What a treat. What a treat to work with him. And because you, you filmed the whole thing in Bristol, right? Uh, yes, we did. We did. Um, you, we you make you make you that that hesitation made me think. Oh no, they film it somewhere else. Pretend it's Bristol. No, no, no. I've, yeah, <laughs> I mean, obviously, having been in in Belgium, I actually filmed series series three at the same time as the couple next door. So I was flying back between Belgium and Bristol, and it was mental for a while. But um, yeah, yeah. So we filmed it there. We filmed series one and two in lockdown, and then yeah, we were filming. Yeah, just and then obviously the strike happened. So it's just been a, a real kind of. It's never been an easy one filming that, but yeah. No, but I must say, I do find that must be really weird where you've begun a job in lockdown. So you're used to one way of working. I mean, it must feel like, I don't know, the end of the war or something when suddenly you're on the set and, oh, yeah. wait, we don't have to do that anymore. 
yeah it's so true it's so true yeah but it's yeah I mean just feel very lucky to have been working through through COVID and also you know very lucky that this yeah the strike has finally come to an end so we can all get back to doing what we love Woohoo! and and the people of bristol it must, i mean does christopher walken walk around bristol have you been out and about with him uh yes yes i believe even stephen took him to see stonehenge which i think was a <laughs> bizarre experience for both of them but um yeah, I mean it's it's amazing. He I think he went to see the theater in Bristol uh, when he was there and walked in and they said it was shut and he couldn't go in and then they saw who it was and I think immediately started panicking. So yeah, but um I think yeah. I think he's back for series 3. I'm not sure. I I feel like I've spoken hastily because I know that the strike really affected things. So I don't actually know the answer. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, that, that's one of those things. Is it a, a is that story finished or is there going to be a season 4? I don't know. I mean, I would love to do it again. I have so much fun doing it. And I think, you know, certainly for, for some of the characters, we could go on and just do a spin-off. It'd be so much fun. But um, but we'll see. It's in it's in Stephen's hands and we'll see what happens. And very quickly, I'm just going to ask you about music. Are you still making music? Because I know you had an album out, didn't you? My goodness. Um, I did an album. Yeah, I did an album uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I'm not currently making any music. That was a, a fabulous and bizarre situation that I found myself in. And I sort of thought it would never happen. And then suddenly I'm in a studio recording an album and pinching myself going, what am I doing? I'm not a singer. This is terrifying. But yes, um, who knows? Who knows? Maybe one day. But yeah. I haven't got to the end yet. Is it totally, is it like a closed shop or is there a kind of a, a, a bit of a French window at the end where there could be a season two? I like that French window. Yes, I'm going to go with that one. I think there's a, a little French window at the end. Um, okay. Yeah, kind of left open. Obviously, we know that it's all going to get turned on its head. So, yeah, I'm I'm very excited for people to see to see the end and, and yeah, let me know what you think. Yeah. Okay, they might knock through. Okay, great. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, we should also mention uh, the outlaw or the outlaws because that's coming back, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's a third season. Um, oh my goodness, that is such a hoot to make that show. We just love it, and yeah, this season is as bonkers as ever. Um, there's a really great kind of journey for mine and Stephen's character. So yeah, it just becomes even more weird and wonderful. Uh, no, because Lady Gabby is, I, I, I don't know, but I imagine as an actor, that is a real gift of a part. Absolutely. So much fun. And is Christopher Walken still in it? Yes. Yes, he is. Um, <laughs> I think, well, I mean, yeah. That's I'm not so random. It is so yeah. random. That it is Walken's so random, in. isn't it? I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Working with him was just totally extraordinary. And you'd be sitting around having a cup of coffee and suddenly he does a Marlon Brando impression that sounds completely like Christopher Walken. But you just sort of sit there and think, this is surreal. But yeah, it was it was amazing. What a treat. What a treat to work with him. And because you you filmed the whole thing in Bristol, right? Uh, yes, we did. We did. Um, you, we you, filmed... make, you make you that that hesitation made me think, oh, no, they film it somewhere else. And pretend it's Bristol. No, no, no. I've, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, having been in in Belgium, I actually filmed series series three at the same time as the couple next door. So I was flying back between Belgium and Bristol and it was mental for a while. But um, yeah. Yeah. So we filmed it there. We filmed series one and two in lockdown. And then, yeah, we were filming. Yeah. Just and then obviously the strike happened. So it's just been a, a real kind of. It's never been an easy one filming that, but yeah, 
No, but I must say, I do find that must be really weird where you've begun a job in lockdown. So you're used to one way of working. I mean, it must feel like, I don't know, the end of the war or something when suddenly you're on set and, oh, yeah. wait, we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, but it's, yeah, I mean, just feel very lucky to have been working through through COVID and also, you know, it's very lucky that this, yeah, the strike has finally come to an end. So we can all get back to doing what we love. Woohoo! And and the people of Bristol, it must, I mean, does Christopher Walken walk around Bristol? Have you been out and about with him? Uh, yes, yes. I believe even Stephen took him to see Stonehenge, which I think was a <laughs> bizarre experience for both of them. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. He, I think he went to see the theatre in Bristol uh, when he was there and walked in and they said it was shut and he couldn't go in and then they saw who it was and I think immediately started panicking. So yeah, but um, I think, yeah, I think he's back for series three. I'm not sure. I, I feel like I've spoken hastily because I know that the strike really affected things. So I don't actually know the answer. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, that, that's one of those things. Is it a, a is that story finished or is there going to be a season four? I don't know. I mean, I would love to do it again. I have so much fun doing it. And I think, you know, certainly for, for some of the characters, we could go on and just do a spin-off. It'd be so much fun. But um, but we'll see. It's in it's in Stephen's hands and we'll see what happens. And very quickly, I'm just going to ask you about music. Are you still making music? Because I know you had an album out, didn't you? My goodness. Um, I did an album. Yeah, I did an album uh, a f- couple of years ago. Um, I'm not currently making any music. That was a, a fabulous and bizarre situation that I found myself in. And I sort of thought it would never happen. And then suddenly I'm in a studio recording an album and pinching myself going, what am I doing? I'm not a singer. This is terrifying. But yes, um, who knows? Who knows? Maybe one day. But yeah. It's, is it? Bit... Are, are you still? Is it kind of drunken rap party? Oh, here comes Eleanor. <laughs> yeah, karaoke is is my favorite. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know if you've ever uh, sung Robbie Williams' "Angels," but that's what we're about to play. Uh, <laughs> I'll be singing along. <laughs> Eleanor Tomlinson, congratulations! The couple next door is on Channel Four Mondays and Tuesdays, and the whole thing is there to be binged on all four. Lovely to talk to you again, Eleanor. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Still to come, Matthew Bainton. But first, I hear the trolley coming. Hello, Martha. Hello, Graham. Happy December. Happy December. Well, kind of Merry Christmas, really. <gasps> I I agree. Merry Christmas. It is frosty and misty, and I've got a Christmas tree yesterday, so I'm feeling very festive. As, why is Christmas happening so early this year? It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> I feel like Christmas has been happening in my world for a good couple of months because well, I, yes, I do you, my recipe yeah. prep in August. So <laughs> I've been feeling festive for a while, but now it's socially acceptable for me to talk about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, now now you're not a social pariah. <laughs> yes, people are like, no, don't talk about Christmas. But now, uh, but you can now because actually these are so basically you're making. What are you making? Tell the tell the listener. So I have made today the Waitrose Christmas cookie, which is very vague, a very vague recipe title but basically celebrating all things biscuits and cookies because they make such a good edible gift they do and now it because I, I you worry when you hear christmas cookie you think oh is there gonna be pine needles in it or something or <laughs> or but but it's not it's just it's a love it looks very festive what what's the what are the pink bit it looks extremely festive. It's got those colours going on. So essentially, they are rose, pistachio and halva cookies. So halva is like a sesame paste, 
um, like a sesame sweets. It's really sugary and delicious. And they make these, it's a little bit of a hybrid between a shortbread and a classic kind of American style cookie. So it's got a little, the cookie should have a little bit of a chew in the middle, but be nice and light and crumbly. And Waitrose claim these are the ultimate Christmas biscuit for this year. So these are the feature of their cookie box in the Waitrose magazine this month. If you pick up a copy, you can see lots of other cookies that could sit alongside it. But this is kind of the hero, the star of the box. It's the centrepiece. And tell me a halva. So is halva like a kind of a sweet tahini? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's similar. It's been kind of pressed into a block. So you can find it in store with the kind of Middle Eastern ingredients and often from Cyprus as well. Um, And it's sesame seeds that have been really finely ground and then kind of cooked and compressed in a sugary syrup. So it's this really deliciously sweet. You can eat it on its own, which I have to admit I did do a little bit of as I was making them this morning. <laughs> little Ooh, nibble nice. of half a bit. It's a bit like fudge. It's really good. And it makes it kind of melts in the cookie slightly and caramelises to make these lovely little chewy chunks. So could this kind of transform your baking? Could you use halva in other recipes? Yeah, you can use it in things, the things that need a little chunk of something, like if you were going to put some fudge in there, it's it's solid, so you wouldn't use it like tahini as like a drizzly thing, but you yeah. can crumble it over ice cream. It's really versatile, and it's not super expensive either. It's £2.50 for quite a big box that you only need 75 grams for this recipe, so you can make oh. it at least seven or eight times. <laughs> uh, let's go with the recipe. <laughs> so we're going to start by creaming together butter and sugar. Um, it's kind of, if you're, if you're a seasoned baker, and you're used to making shortbread, you're thinking, oh, normally you would be rubbing things into each other. So this is the kind of the cookie element of the dish. So we're creaming together the butter and sugar until it's nice and light and fluffy. Then into that, we're adding some plain flour, a little tiny bit of salt just to really offset all of that sweetness. And then you want to chop up some pistachio kernels. These are so vibrant and green and just give it that kind of festive feel. And then we've got our halva and Um, one tablespoon of dried rose petals going in as well. So you've got the pinks, the greens, a little bit of this kind of whitey halva. Mix that all together and you get this really thick dough that will form. Mm -hmm. And you want to roll that out, like tip the whole thing out so it's quite crumbly, onto a sheet of baking parchment and roll it into a tight log. So you're basically making like a big log of dough. Then you want to wrap this up and it needs to chill in the fridge for at least three hours. So you need to get that really solid. You can also freeze it at this stage if you wanted to save your dough and cook it a little bit later or bake half and do half later. This is a good time to do the freezing. So once it is chilled, we want to get it out, take a serrated knife and you want to slice it into one centimetre kind of little rounds so there's no rolling there's no kind of you don't need to get super messy with this you just slice it up into little rounds arrange them on a baking tray make sure you leave space in between each one because unlike a shortbread these will spread out a little bit in the ah, oven okay you don't want one giant cookie <laughs> <laughs> delicious. Um, yeah delicious but huge if this does happen to you you can usually redeem it by taking a cookie cutter and whilst it's still a bit warm just like cutting out the rounds and no one will ever know so a little hack there if this does Very happen good. um but yeah they go into the oven 12 to 15 minutes and then when they start to look nice and brown and the halve will be bubbling you get them out leave them to cool completely put them onto a cooling rack you can sprinkle with a few extra rose petals if you like and then they are perfect they will last up to a week really they're really kind of versatile and they package up nicely you can post them to your friends and family or put them in a box with other kinds of cookies as a nice little festive centerpiece yeah, no, absolutely gorgeous. That's great. And such so crisp, a lovely bite. Really, really gorgeous. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. My next guest is a writer and actor. He co-created Horrible Histories as well as the BBC sitcom Ghosts. And his name is Matthew Baton. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you? 
I'm very well. How are you? <laughs> yeah, very well, thank you. Good. Uh, you Love should be very morning. well. You <laughs> should be very well because, uh, wow, what a busy man. So many things to talk about. Let's start with the big movie, shall we? Uh, Wonka. Uh, so uh, tell us who you play in Wonka. So I play a character called Fickle Gruber, who is mentioned in Roald Dahl's original uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I always get that mixed up because the Gene Wilder film is different to the book. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he is a rival chocolatier. So, um, yeah, the, the, in, in this film, which is a kind of origin story of Willy Wonka, in which Timothy Chalamet plays the young Willy Wonka, he comes to town with a dream of making chocolate and encounters three chocolatiers, Slugworth, Fickle Gruber and Prodnose, who are determined that he's not going to... Uh, he's not going to sell chocolate on their patch. And what's interesting is because often when a Hollywood movie happens in Britain, they're filming it in Britain and they cast some English actors, you know, they're in it, but they're not really in it. You guys, yourself and Matt Lucas and Patterson Joseph, I mean, you are, you're the main baddies in this thing. Yeah, there's there's a whole load of brilliant sort of UK talent in it, uh, not least Olivia Coleman, who's uh, done well for herself, but started yes. out in <laughs> things like Peep Show, you know, UK sitcoms. And um, Tom Davis is in it too, who's, uh, who's absolutely brilliant and steals the show, frankly. Um, there, there's, yeah, there's loads of, uh, of brilliant sort of UK comics in there. But it's Paul King who, who directed it and... Uh, he, you know, his background is uh, he did the Paddington films, but before that he directed things like The Mighty Boosh. So, you know, he's really rooted in UK comedy, too. So, And the, watching it, uh, the scale of it is enormous. I mean, yeah. is that is that trickery, you know, visual trickery or were you acting on enormous sets? It. It genuinely was an enormous set in uh, Leavesden, in Warner Brothers uh, studio in Leavesden. Uh, yeah, they built this enormous kind of city centre. Um, obviously, if you walk behind the walls, it's just a big flat. But um, <laughs> but it was don't, extraordinary. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. Without without spoiling anything, there is a there is a bit in the film where um, Patterson and Matt and I had to dangle um, sort of sixty feet in the air above this uh, above this set, and uh, it certainly looks spectacular from that angle. And I believe the idea is that this will continue. We're going to have, there'll be more Wonka in the world. I guess if it does well, hopefully. Oh, it's so I think going to it do be... well. I mean, yeah, I mean we, you've we... seen it, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's. I mean, it... it's a gorgeous film. It's just. It's funny. It's love. It's. Yeah. It's everything you want, isn't it? It really is. I. Th I think it's a feat, and I'm. I'm in awe of Paul King and and Simon Farnaby, his co-writer, to to usher something through with such an enormous kind of scale and budget and still have a sense of real heart. Um, I think the kind of, the more money is being thrown at something, the harder it is to preserve that kind of soul, I, th I think. And yeah. to anyone who's loved the Paddington films, you know, Wonka has that heart and um, it's astonishing. And it's, it's, you know, it's just full of, amazing set pieces and sequences and beautiful songs by Neil Hannon. Um, and yeah, it's great. 
and big laughs provided by you. Well done. Because it's well, hard you. to, but it's hard to get jokes away, you know, like in a big movie like this, and you do. So well done. Thank um, you so what, much. What's it like for you? Because you know, as I say, you are you you are a writer. You are a creator of things, big successful things. Is is it nice to kind of? let go and kind of go well someone else can worry about that uh, or oh, does it, so does it frustrate nice. you oh it's just nice okay <laughs> it is so we film so simon who co-wrote this film is is also one of the co-creators of my show ghosts which um is finishing with a, a final sort of special this christmas and i was filming both kind of at the same time and on the set of ghosts, uh, regardless of how sort of stupid I might look in my costume, I'm still <laughs> in between takes. I'm always kind of behind the monitor looking at things and worrying about, oh, is this, you know, do I need to rewrite this? Could it be better? Is this the right the right way to be shooting this to get the best out of it? And I'm I'm in a constant state of sort of low level anxiety. And then I would go over to Wonka and it was someone else's problem. And all I had to do was wear my costume and remember a few words and be silly. <laughs> It was fantastic. It's like a holiday. And presumably, and presumably eat quite a lot of chocolate. I bet everybody there was a lot of chocolate knocking around. Yes. I mean, there was a chocolate department on that movie. And um, I'm not sure that's going to happen to me many more times in my career. <laughs> but what a heavenly thing. And they were making these exquisite chocolates, which we got to eat again and again and again. Sort of ruining takes just so we could have another one. Mm. I mean, and was it properly delicious or were you just kind of going, oh, sugar? Is a, Genuinely is a... delicious. I mean, to the point where, I mean, there's a scene where we taste his chocolate and we're trying to pretend that we don't think it's incredible. And um, the actual chocolates we were eating genuinely were incredible. So that reduced the amount of acting we had to do. Matthew Bainted is my guest who is putting the work in this Christmas. He's in Wonka, which is going to be in cinemas from next Friday. And that is such a Christmas treat. And then on TV, Ghost Christmas Special. And now last year's uh, got, I think, six million. It was the biggest comedy of the year, which begs the question, Matthew, why quit the hit? What's what happened? Oh, we just love it so much. We wanted to stop before it started getting worse. <laughs> before you <laughs> didn't love it. <laughs> yeah, well, not, yeah. I mean, five series we've done and um, four Christmas specials and not many shows kind of go for that long. So I take it as a huge compliment that anyone is even questioning why we would finish it. Um, but... Yeah, we just we wanted to end it at a point where people said, oh, no, that's finishing rather than, oh, I didn't realize that was still on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, you, it, there's an American version as well, isn't there? There is, yes. Um, and that's doing incredibly well. I think that's the most sort of watched comedy in, in the States. Um, and obviously they do so many episodes. They do 24 per series. So... They only started it after we'd done three series, but had sort of in, immediately in one go eclipsed all of the <laughs> hours of television that we'd made. And it's such a lovely idea for Christmas episode because obviously this is the the baby returning to the house. Yes, it's um you know the whole of the of the series up up to this point has been sort of charting the the pregnancy and the and the um so yeah the arrival of the baby is a very kind of special thing and felt 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 lovely to do for a christmas uh, episode but it's also the last ever episode so there's uh, there's an emotional roller coaster to go on for sure
And it's one of the reasons you've stopped because it must be so exhausting having to film every scene with ghosts and without ghosts. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, well, not for me because the without ghosts bit is uh, is a breeze. Um, I play one of the ghosts, if you don't know. And um, I know it, it, genuinely, I think it's we're all going to miss it and and we always filmed it in sort of january february the the grimmest months of winter when christmas is behind you and there doesn't seem to be anything to look forward to we would always decamp to this amazing house west horsley place where we film and spend our winter months together making each other laugh and we're, we're going to miss that terribly this year but no we just we just wanted to move on to pastures new and challenge ourselves with something else and um leave behind something that hopefully stayed at a you know at the high standard it started um I'm talking to Lolly out of hope it sounds like she won't miss the cold because even watching this Christmas special when the baby arrives back, I did worry for it because <laughs> it just looks freezing. Do you know what the first series they didn't have any heating in the house at all and you could see our breath in the air in every single scene. And we had to decide very early on that ghosts breathe and you can see their breath because otherwise we'd have had an enormous problem. But um, thankfully, they do have heating in the house now. But when we go outside, I always spare a thought in particular for Simon, who we wrote. We wrote his character really initially just as a joke which is that ghosts stay how they die and wouldn't it be funny if one of them was a was an mp who died having an affair and has no trousers on <laughs> so he has to spend an awful lot of time in the winter with no trousers on and very quickly before you go i must just tell people you are also <laughs> you are also in the uh, bbc uh, agatha christie christmas uh, treat murder is easy and that's on over christmas as well am i right is it yeah is thank it? thank you for plug hey. <laughs> thank you for all the plugs listen uh, you are a one man radio times <laughs> well well done <laughs> sir uh, i think you've earned your rest go have a lie down uh, thank oh, you very thank much you. for talking to us matthew Bacon. it's been Lovely a pleasure to to thank you Greg. all right Cheers. Thanks so much for listening today. You can catch me every Saturday and Sunday at 9.30 on Virgin Radio. Follow us on all our socials to keep up to date and make sure you check out our YouTube channel too. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK and you'll find loads of great interviews and live sessions. Until next time. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.